Awesome. So we come to the end of our series on the Sermon on the Mount tonight. And uh, if you haven't been with us for about six or seven weeks, we've been walking through uh, this sermon, this teaching of Jesus. We've called this series A Beautiful Resistance. Uh, a resistance against the priorities and the, the way of the world and this beautiful uh, new life of living as kingdom citizens. And so as we come to the end of this series, the last thing that Jesus says is he calls us and he challenges us to live it. We saw that verse 24, therefore everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. So we saw in chapter 5 as Jesus starts his series, uh, this kingdom living that prioritizes a humility over power as we looked at the Beatitudes. Then we saw uh, as Jesus calls us this resistance to compromise and this call to live a life of conviction, to be distinct from the world. But we're distinct from the world so that we can be a blessing to the world, to be salt and light. And then Jesus, as he continued his teaching, we saw this call to be this, this self-sacrifice in the way of Jesus, that we might be children of the Father. It's not about self-promotion as the world looks at. It's all about promoting yourself and claiming your rights. Jesus says, sacrifice yourself. Love your enemy. Be faithful and true to the law that comes from the heart, not just the outside. And then Jesus gave us this call to a kingdom living that's about intimacy with the Father. Not about image. And he, and he looked at resisting the way of the hypocrites that's all about what you do and what's on the outside. And Jesus was calling us to what was in secret. And to be close to the Father. And then Jesus challenges us where we put our treasure. Thinking about our distraction and devotion. Jesus calls us to, de to devote our lives to his, seeking his kingdom. Not to be distracted by the things of the, this world and and thinking about depositing our attention. Are we depositing our attention in the bank of, of now? Are we actually investing in things that are eternal? And then we saw uh, some of you were with us on Zoom as we went through the passage of, of, of judgment. Do not judge others. Resisting a culture of criticism. But instead, Jesus calls us to ask, to seek, to knock, to prayer. Instead of criticizing and trying to control the world, we're called to, to ask the Father to pray and to love others. And then last week we were challenged by Venith that Jesus comes, he makes, he calls us to make a decision to take the narrow path and resist the wide path that leads to destruction. So comparing those who are just all about externals and performance and doing ministry, but not actually being with Jesus. And so as we come to the end of this series, Jesus, in this last bit of teaching, this contrast between the two builders, is this call to to live. He says, therefore, everything that we've just seen, we then look at putting it into practice. And that, that's what I started this series with this question. What if Jesus was serious? What if Jesus was serious? Because remember, I also brought up the biggest criticism of Christians is what? It's that we're hypocrites, that we say one thing, but that we do another. And Jesus is calling us. What if he's actually, actually expecting us to this radical new life. And that's where we come to tonight's passage, this contrast between two builders. So it's, it's a very common, uh, a common story. We know it. Uh, a wise man who builds his house on the rocks 
the, the foolish man who builds it on the sand. Uh, and often I think we can be mistaken. We can often mistake that these are the differences between the, those who believe Jesus and those who don't, the believer and the non-believer. But actually, I think the, the difference, the distinction is, is not that. And I want us to take a closer look by uh, using a Venn diagram. Does anyone know what a Venn diagram is? Yeah. I'll give you some practice. So here's a bit of an example. People who understand Venn diagrams, people who don't understand Venn diagrams, no overlap. Uh, but then here we've got some overlap. Bank robbers have a similar thing to DJs. They say, everybody on the floor. Bank robbers and preachers, give me your money. Uh, DJs, bank robbers and preachers, put your hands up. And uh, are you with me, DJs and preachers? So are you with me? We're going to do a Venn diagram. So the wise man, the foolish man, both hear Jesus' words. Both go to church. Both are around Jesus. They want to hear him. But it says the wise man puts it into practice. The foolish man does not put it into practice. Both the wise man and both the foolish man build a house. On the outside, they look the same. But the wise man underneath, he builds his house on the rock. The foolish man builds it on the sand. And interesting, both the wise man and the foolish man are hit by the storm. It's not as if one is not facing the waves and the wind. They both experience the storm. But one house will stand and one house will crash. You see, I think Jesus is not comparing the believer and the unbeliever. But between those who are kind of, they like Jesus and are kind of in proximity to him. And with those who have made him their Lord. Or those who call themselves Christians and those who actually live as Christians. They put his words into practice. I think the best way I can make this relevant for you is the difference between Jesus, my lecturer, and Jesus, my Lord. Uh, I went to uni and studied history, an arts degree. And, and so hopefully you might be able to relate to this. But my lecturers, some of them were very boring. You go and you imagine the uni theatre. And I know many of you guys are going to uni. You kind of can picture it. Um, although I know a lot of people just watch it online as well. Um, I admit most of my lectures were on, online, but there was one, one lecturer uh, in history, a guy called Gareth Pritchard. He uh, an amazing storyteller, and he used to take uh, attendance, and everyone went to this lecture. No one went, watched it online. They, they went to this lecture, and he used to do this amazing, he didn't have any notes. He just had a PowerPoint. He'd get up, and he'd tell these amazing stories. He'd be singing in Russian about the Russian Revolution and the songs they were singing. This guy was epic. And the only lecturer that I ever had that got a standing ovation, it was quite common. Every other lecture, people would stand and clap. Uh, but you know what? When I went home, it, it didn't affect or change my life. This is when I want to make a distinction is that the lecturer slash student relationship, imagine the student, he comes, he takes notes. Uh, but it's impersonal. They don't know the lecturer. They don't talk. Well, I certainly didn't. There was many of us who just kind of came. 
And we wanted his information, but we wanted that information so we could just get a good grade. And we only cared about him for 50 minutes a week. That was when our lecture was. That's the only time we actually paid him any attention. And then straight after the exam, we'd, we'd forget everything they said. Sometimes we can treat Jesus like my lecturer. We hear Jesus' words, we come to church, we take some notes, but really we're just getting information so that we can feel better about our sin and, and get into heaven, which kind of, we want that ticket. But we only really care about him for that one hour on Sundays and, and we live no differently throughout the week. We ignore his words every other day and, or we might just treat his words as advice, great advice. That's really cool. I like that. But not as commands. And when some things that we don't like about him, we kind of, we kind of ignore. Jesus, my lecturer. I wonder, have, have we been a bit like this? Have we bought into this culture of consumerism? You just come to church, just kind of get this fixed. We'll, get, we'll kind of listen to our lecture and, and have a good time. But then Monday to Saturday, we're in control. You know, your lecturer doesn't change your life. You don't submit to your lecturer. But when Jesus is our Lord, he calls us. We see this in his teaching, the end of his teaching. He says, put it into practice. He's, he's call to obedience. We're called to listen to his words. Now, I want to make it very clear that we are saved by grace alone and not by our works, not by obedience. Jesus welcomes us in because he was kind enough to shed his blood so that we could come in. And we're welcomed into the kingdom as kingdom citizens. But then we've been called to obedience as those who are kingdom citizens, called to be changed. And Jesus, as our Lord, we are then dependent upon him for everything. I'm not thinking about my lecture during the week and, and to help me in my life or to guide me. But as Jesus is my Lord, my King, every decision I make, I'm thinking, Lord, is that your will? See the difference there. And thirdly, it's a call to transformation, not just information, not just coming and receiving some good advice. It's a call to build a house on the rock. It's a call to be transformed. Like Romans 12 verse 2, do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Jesus is calling us to be, to, to grow and to be different and to follow and to be more like him every day. Uh, who here is a uni student? Put your hand up. See if you're around the place. Who of you is a, uh, any apprentices? Anyone doing an apprentice of the back? Let me tell you the difference between a student and an apprentice. <laughs> Students, again, you come and take notes, but you're removed from the lecture. But the difference with an apprentice is that and as an apprentice, your master, they tell you what to do. You do it. And you stand and you're with the master. And the master is showing you what to do and you're apprenticing. You're following. You're imitating. You're imitating that person. Is it, do you call it master? Jack, do you call your boss a master? No. I don't know. Apprentice. What the other person is. But we've got to see this vision of following Jesus. Another word for discipleship is apprenticeship. We're actually called to imitate and to, and to obey. 
to grow. And you see, people notice this. Look down at verse 28. I got there. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority. Jesus had authority. What this means is that Jesus, we've been talking about kingdom living for the last six weeks. What this means about kingdom living is that we are serving a king. And we live in a culture where we want the kingdom, we want justice, we want selflessness, we love devotion and, and these kind of things, but we don't want a king. Whereas the distinction that Jesus, the last thing he shows is that actually following Jesus is about, is about following the king. Living as kingdom citizens is about submitting to the king. And kingdom citizens, we're saved by grace. The first thing Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit. We've got to remember that. He invites us in by his grace, what his gift that he's given to us. We remember that it's a transformation of the heart. I'm not just talking about uh, externals and, and doing things for God. I'm talking about doing things with Jesus under his kingship, seeking first his kingdom. And it's the difference that Jesus shows between the wise and the foolish. The difference between the wise and the foolish, the difference between a firm foundation and one that will, will not stand. As we were reminded last week, the difference between the narrow path and the wide path is whether Jesus is your king. I've been really challenged. There's, there's sort of these awesome ideas, but they're not ideas. Really, they're commands of our king. This command to be a new people, this kingdom citizens following after him. And it's the difference between genuine disciples and hypocrites. As Jesus challenged the Pharisees, the Pharisees were so good at looking righteous, doing the right thing. But God was not their king. They were their own king. Whereas genuine disciples are those who know Jesus and he knows them and they do his will because he is their king. So I want to finish. What does that mean for us? Number one, self-awareness. Have you been treating Jesus the way that you treat your lecturers? It's very shaky ground to be on when the storms come. This call to, is Jesus our king? Number two, the reality of the storm. Whether it's the storm of life and the suffering that we face or the storm of God's final judgment. Will our house stand? What's the difference? Have we put our faith in him or are you still holding on to control of your life? Are you willing to give him control? Give him the control in the storms to trust him, to have faith in him. Number three, serious application. How serious are we taking application? I try really hard to make this applicable, to take God's word and think, how can we live this out? But also in your community groups, as you're discussing and thinking, how can, we, how can we follow this? How can we live this? And hopefully, as you join core groups, as discipleship groups, that you will be challenging one another. How are you living out? And are you serious about that? Actually coming with a posture that I want to change. That I want to be more like Jesus, my King. Are you serious about 
application in your life. And thinking about that, has your life changed over the last year? Have you grown? How have you grown in your faith? And if you're not growing at all and you look back and you think, I can't see any difference in my life, then be worth praying, Lord, what are you calling me deeper in? How can I be more obedient to you? Number four, it might mean removing other rulers. Making Jesus king might mean tearing down high places. It's an Old Testament image of, of still worshiping other idols. And there might be idols in your life that are taking the place of Jesus as your king. And what's directing your attention, directing your decision making is to be approved by others or to uh, amount a certain amount of wealth or whatever your ruler might be. Making Jesus king might be put, uh, putting that away, putting that aside. And I want to finish with this picture of finding joy in obedience. Because Jesus is a good king. And following him is, is a call to true life. Jesus said, I've come to bring life and life to the fullest. We've got to believe that building our house on the rock of putting his words into practice is a life of strength to strength to more strength in him. And following him and trusting his ways that they are good. And the more that you hand over control to him, I know he will give you his joy, give you his peace. and You'll find purpose in obedience to him as he calls you to be salt and light, to be on mission to those around you. And so as we finish and conclude this series, I just want to uh, want to call us to, like, this, God has really laid this on my heart, that we would be distinct like this, this community of kingdom citizens that are following him, that are resilient, that have depth, that are genuinely wanting to make Jesus our king. We're not just wanting to do lip service here. We're not just want to do religion and, and have a nice time. We want to be transformed as a community, as Jesus is our king, that people will see us and see a radical new vision of life that is true flourishing, that brings glory to God and hope to this world. I just want to call us, let's do it. Let's be this people. Let's follow after our king who shed his blood for us. But a king who was not defeated by death, he rose to new life. And he reigns on high. And one day our king is coming back. And will he find faith on the earth? How good that he is gracious. And he will give us his spirit to transform us if we're willing to give him control. So I'm going to invite the band up. And I'm going to pray. Uh, and I really, as we pray, in your hearts to really focus on, I've been trying to do this, focus on Jesus and, and who he is that he's there. We're not just saying words. He is there and he is listening. We're talking to him. We have access to him. Ask, seek, knock. We have access. And so let's pray and let's just come before him and, and be mindful of his presence. So would you close your eyes and uh, Lord Jesus, we come before you now as our king. We are mindful that you are present with us. Lord, I thank you for this amazing teaching that you've given us. This, this amazing vision of life and, and that it is not about law and legalism, but it's a transformed heart that you would give to us. And Lord, I know you're calling us to lay down our rights and to self-sacrifice, but I know that I'm following you 
who you laid down your rights and you laid down yourself for me. Lord, you shed your blood so that my sins could be forgiven, so that I could be welcomed into the kingdom. And for each of these people here, if they were to trust you, that you welcome them in as kingdom citizens with an eternal inheritance that will never spoil, never fade. But King Jesus, we pray that you would help us to live this out and that you would transform us as a community, that we would be distinct, that we would have this radical love and humility, that there would be hunger and a thirst for righteousness, that we would be so willing to lay down our lives and to love our enemies. Lord, that we would be fasting and praying and giving, not for our glory, but for yours. King Jesus, that we would be giving you our attention. We wouldn't be wasting our life on meaningless things. Father, that we wouldn't be turning to judgmentalism, but that we would be turning to pray. Help us, Lord. We want to be people on the narrow path. People on the path to life. And Lord, I know that the storms will come. And for these guys, some of them are already in the storms and they're experiencing that. But I pray that we would hear your words. Peace be still. Lord, you are our king and we just humbly come before you. We worship you. We love you. We thank you. We call upon you, Lord. Help us. Help us to be the people you want us to be. Thank you that you've saved us by grace, but thank you that you don't leave us there and you're calling us to be transformed, to do that work, Lord Jesus. Do that work in us, we pray. just want to give us a moment, uh, just in the silence as the music's playing, just to bring before your king, uh, your idols and the, the things that maybe you've been ignoring, the commands of Jesus, or maybe you're in this place where you've been treating Jesus like a lecturer you notice that that's building a house on sand so just have a think in your own heart maybe you're not in this place where Jesus is not your king and maybe you think you need to think about that but I know for many of us we just to come before him now and just ask him to do that transforming work what are those things that we need to tear down what are those things that we need to follow and, and be obedient to Jesus Take 30 seconds and then uh, after about a minute, uh, Vanit's going to lead us in, in our next song and call us to stand. So let's just take this moment in the quiet of our own hearts.